It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions every day of basketball and hockey playoffs. DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free for you to get a shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's game and track your results throughout the evening. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the playoffs. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Monday, May 17th. It's Ian Cameron, Jimmy Murphy momentarily joining me as well, coming off the first weekend of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and really what a weekend it ended up being. Um, I don't know if this is the greatest two days of playoff hockey back-to-back that I have seen ever, but it ranks right up there. It absolutely has to. I mean, it was a phenomenal weekend of playoff hockey. It started with a very competitive, tight game between the Bruins and Capitals on on Saturday night. And it rolled right into Sunday with three outstanding hockey games. Uh, The first three Stanley Cup playoff games going to overtime. So if you've been betting the draw uh, this weekend in playoff action, you're cashing some big tickets and you're cashing some big plus prices. And if you've been betting all those games to go to opening up as well. Like if you took the Bruins game to go to overtime, you took the Penguins game to go to overtime, and you took the Wild and the Golden Knights to go to overtime, man, you would be absolutely rocking right now uh, in terms of the profits. And look, we were a minute away from getting the Tampa Bay, Florida uh, shit show of a hockey game last night to overtime. So uh, that's how close and competitive these games have been. It's difficult to lay a puck and a half. I think that's one of the uh, big themes of the uh, opening weekend of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It is hard to get these teams to win by margin. Uh, And we saw that on full display in the first four games. Uh, All of these uh, games ended up being decided by uh, a single goal. So uh, we've seen some competitive hockey. Uh, It started with the Bruins and Capitals. We recapped that on yesterday's show, and we'll talk about game two in just a bit. So we won't go into too much detail there. Yesterday, um, look, the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Islanders. I thought Pittsburgh had a great first period. They had a million chances against Sorokin and the Islanders. They had the Islanders running around. Uh, in their own zone, coughing up the puck. Uh, But unfortunately, they didn't finish as much of their chances as they wanted. Uh, And the one shot that the Islanders had went in the net, and they ended up being only up 2-1 to uh, after the uh, first period. 
Uh, but nevertheless, you look at this uh, Pittsburgh team, they had chances throughout that game. I thought their game overall was solid. You can't ask for much more than Sid from Sidney Crosby um, and what he did in that game. But at the end of the day, Tristan Jari was not very good. we got to call it the way we see it. Uh, multiple goals should have uh, been stopped by him. The Islanders give them credit. They saw a legitimate weakness, all right, a legitimate flaw in Tristan Jari. And that flaw was that glove hand of his. Um, he wasn't stopping anything, you know, to his glove hand above his shoulder. That is where the Islanders were beating him time and time again. And look, that is exactly what the Islanders saw. They give them credit. The scouting report obviously was let's shoot high on Tristan Jari and let's see if we can uh, exploit him that way. And they absolutely did. Uh, and the uh, Islanders got stronger as the game went on. I thought the third period was a great period for them. But if you're the Penguins, you certainly feel like you let one uh, get away. And unfortunately, you just needed a little bit better goaltending. I thought Pittsburgh early in the game controlled the play. Second period was, I think, slight edge to Pittsburgh. The Islanders played their best period in the third. Overtime was back and forth. But at the end of the day, you just needed a little bit better goaltending, I think, if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we've seen it already this weekend. Goaltending matters a lot uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, again, no need to panic. One game doesn't make a series. That's the one thing I stress to everybody. You're so down in the dumps when you lose game one, especially when you lose in overtime in the fashion Pittsburgh did, the way Vegas did, the way Boston did. But one game doesn't make a series. There's a long way to go. It's a series of adjustments, series of figuring out what went wrong and correcting it the next time out. We'll see if Pittsburgh can do that. Uh, we'll go one by one with these games from yesterday. I uh, will bring Jimmy in right now. Jimmy, welcome in. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, what did you think of what we saw here with the uh, Islanders and the Penguins yesterday? A lot to like for Pittsburgh, except the goaltending, unfortunately. And we got Jimmy muted. There we go, Jimmy. <laughs> hey, good way go. to start off the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you know what? I think that the teams playing tonight have a lot to, uh, hold up to and follow after, after that, the bar has been set high, uh, right out of the gate here in the Stanley cup playoffs. Just some great hockey all weekend. Uh, yesterday was just like, you know, a, a hockey fans wet dream. I mean, it was just hockey porn left and right. It was great. It was just nonstop action, all one goal games. Um, like you said, Pittsburgh did a great job, but you got to give credit where it's due. Sorokin was up to the task, and and man, Pajou, you know, I was I was uh, messaging with Melissa there, say Melissa Cunningham, and I said, you know, he's got to be one of the most clutch playoff players in the last five years, if you really think about it. Going back to his time with Ottawa, I mean, I remember him lighting up uh, the Bruins in 2017, and then you know helping the the Senators on to a, a, a you know a nice run there to Game Seven. Of course, they had Craig Anderson, who ironically finds himself back in these playoffs now we'll get to that but uh he, he's got to get some credit there too and you know the islanders played a ballsy game good for them uh i don't think pittsburgh has too much to hang their head on except that yeah i'd be a little worried about tristan jerry right now and you know what do you do if he can't find it mentally uh is to smith the answer i don't think so uh so they could be in some trouble there if they can't solidify their goaltending issues uh, as for the series i'm covering there the bruins capitals Look, you know, I, I'm not making excuses because I'll I'll get to why I think that the Bruins lost that game. Um, but it was one of those games where it was just there was some really odd bounces going on. Um, both sides, both teams had to deal with it. I also felt like out of all the games I've watched so far, that was the one game where the two team where two teams 
on both on both sides really struggled to get into playoff mode. I, I felt like they couldn't they couldn't take it to that next level at certain points in that game. They couldn't just get their legs out under them. I mean, we know a lot of the Capitals are hurt. Um, you know, Ovechkin, Ovechkin, ironically, was the only one who did it from from the start to finish, and he's playing banged up. But it just felt like one of those games where at times they were stuck in quicksand. But as far as what the Bruins did wrong, look, I, I don't blame Tuka Rass for any of those goals. I do think, you know, this glove side is still an issue with them going up high on the glove side. But other than that, I don't blame him, really. I, I think that the one thing I'd do if I was the Bruins heading into this game is really come out and establish a forecheck. I, I thought they were unable to do that at crucial parts of the game, and especially in overtime. They're going to need to do that right out the get-go here. I think getting a first goal for them will be huge too. But And then the other games, look, the, the, the Florida-Tampa Bay, or uh, you know what, I'll start with Minnesota-Vegas. Uh, Minnesota that was just an old-school goaltender's duel. And, you know, for anybody that says that, you know, hockey sucks because it's so low scoring, and what are we going to have all one nothing games? You can give me that one nothing game anytime, I'll take it. That was proof that a one nothing game can still be exciting. I, you know, I go back to when the Bruins won the cup. They had that one nothing game seven against Tampa Bay in the conference final. One of the most exciting games I've ever covered. I've seen plenty of those. And so that's nonsense that you can't have a good one nothing game. That was a great one nothing game. And I think it was a huge win for Minnesota. Congratulations to Terry. And then to the game last night, just a, a really awesome game. I mean, this was like back and forth. Uh, you know, late 80s style hockey there going on, like the old Smythe division or something. It was crazy. And, and you know, I, I think if not for a couple dumb penalties by Florida, they win that game. And, and I'm not saying they didn't play a great game. I think it was a great game by both teams. But I think they need to be a little more disciplined because, man, that Tampa Bay power play is one of the most lethal I've seen in, in recent memory. And it was on full display last night. Yeah, a uh, quick thought for me on Minnesota-Vegas. Um, that was as good a goaltending battle as I've seen in a while. Cam Talbot yeah. and Marc-Andre Fleury, it is a shame someone had to lose. Uh, it, it was just back and forth the whole while. Um, just an incredible job by both goaltenders. I think Talbot Talbot had to, was busier. Talbot had to face more shots in terms of volume than Marc-Andre Fleury. But you could argue some of the saves Marc-Andre Fleury were of the higher danger and even more degree of difficulty saves than what Cam Talbot had. I mean, to see Marc-Andre Fleury, I know they lost the game, and credit to Minnesota, Minnesota, and even Terry, you'll admit that. Anybody that's unbiased and sees these games and watches these games has to admit, Minnesota was dog shit in the first period. They were absolutely brutal in that first period. 20-5 to five were the shots in favor of uh, Vegas. They did absolutely nothing in the period. They got hemmed in their own zone uh, for that entire first period, and it was Cam Talbot that thwarted Vegas time and time again, kept them at bay, kept the game 0-0. And again, even in this early in the second, Vegas was springing it again to Minnesota, but then by the halfway mark of that game, the tide started to turn a little bit. Minnesota said, you know what, we've played absolutely brutal so far, and yet here we are scoreless thanks to Cam Talbot. Let's get our asses in gear. Let's play in the offensive zone a little bit more. Let's get our four-check game going, which when Minnesota's got it going, it can be pretty tough to defend. Uh, we've seen that throughout the course of the season. And then finally, you saw them start to tilt the balance of play a little bit in their favor, and they started to get some chances finally on the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and on Flurry. 
Um, and of course, the game-winning goal for Vegas was that shot that deflects in off the uh, Vegas player sprawling to block the shot. That's going to happen in the playoffs. You know how many times, Jim? I've been watching playoffs hockey now, playoff hockey for 30 years, pretty much. You know how many times I've seen, and it's with good intentions, your defenseman or your back-checking forward, all he's trying to do is the right thing, and that's block the shot, help his goalie out, You know, do everything in your power to try to keep the puck out of your own net. And unfortunately, sometimes it's the right intentions, but it's a, a bad result, the wrong result. And it ends up hitting him as he's trying to block the shot. It changes direction on Flurry, and it goes in for Joel Erickson X, uh, overtime winner uh, in game one uh, for the Minnesota Wild yesterday. Tough to see uh, it go in like that against Flurry, who had been brilliant. And for a guy that's now in his late 30s, has played a lot of hockey. To think that this is now 15, an NHL record 15 straight seasons of playoff hockey for Marc-Andre Fleury, which was an NHL record for a goaltender, uh, outstanding. And to see him at all at his age, he's had some injuries, he's had some setbacks, to see him make some of the saves he made yesterday, the, the, the lateral movement that he still has, Fleury, the windmill spinorama 360-degree spin save that he made in that game at one point yesterday, it was just wonderful to watch. I mean, just in, uh, a guy that just battles and still can play and elevate his game at, to a high level in, at playoff time, even after all these years, Flurry showed he can do that. Uh, but obviously, look, Cam Talbot, I don't think he had to make some of the spectacular saves Flurry did, but he was on point. He was covering his angles. He was reading the play well. He was square to the shooter, you know, most of the night. Uh, whenever, like whenever Vegas was trying to get those cross seam passes going, especially on the power play, there was Cam Talbot reading the play, getting out beyond the blue paint, playing aggressive, which is what you should do if you're a goalie. It always bugs me when I see these goalies deep in the net. You know, you don't give yourself the best chance to cut down the angle and give that shooter as little room as possible. And the way you do that is you play above the crease, you play above the blue paint. And I thought Cam Talbot did that throughout that game uh, yesterday for the uh, Minnesota Wild. He was terrific. I didn't realize uh, Cam Talbot had the uh, friggin' biceps going the way he did. He looks like he's worked on that in the offseason in his uh, press conference there. I'm like, geez, he's been he's been lifting weights, this guy. I remember him. He was, a, he was as skinny as me, to be honest with you, at one point. <laughs> uh, and, well, maybe not that skinny, but close to it at one point in his career. Um, so he's obviously worked on his you know, strength in his upper body a little bit. So uh, give Cam Talbot credit. Uh, great performance from him. It was just as good for Fleury, but unfortunately someone's got to lose in a game like that. Uh, one nothing. And again, Vegas did so many good things and they lose the game. I don't think you can panic if you're the Golden Knights. Uh, you played, uh, they played a terrific game, especially the first period uh, in that game. Uh, and it ends up being, um, unfortunately, nothing to show for it for the Golden Knights. And I got to talk about Florida Tampa, and then we'll get to today's card. But Florida Tampa Bay, Jimmy, this is one of the best playoff games I've seen in years. I don't want to say forever because I've, I've got to give it some thought if I'm going to say it's one of the best playoff games I've ever seen because I've seen a bunch of classics. But definitely in terms of a first-round game one or early in a first-round series, this is one of the better games I've seen in years, that Florida Tampa Bay game. What didn't it have, that hockey game last night, if you're a hockey fan? It had goals. It had great playmaking, whether it was Kucherov, two goals, Braden Point stealing the show late and showing what kind of clutch player he is at playoff time with two goals in the third, the tying goal and the game-winning goal. Barkov and Huberto 
making their case for being among the best duos in the NHL with some of the incredible plays. What Jonathan Huberto did in the third period, too, to try to will Florida in that game, tying the game, and then the go-ahead goal, 4-3. Are you kidding me with that pass? Are you kidding me with that assist? Behind the back, no look, and there it was, an easy tap-in goal uh, for the Florida Panthers to make it 4-3. Unbelievable, sick display of skill and ability by Jonathan Huberto. Barkov was outstanding again. Carter Verhage uh, chips in against his former team. Uh, Florida did a lot of good things in this game. It had scoring. It had great goaltending at times from both guys, Bobrovsky and Vasilevsky. It had physicality. It had hits. It had scrums. It was nasty from start to finish. Uh, that game was played a lot at four on four because there were so many coincidental minor penalties for roughing, you know, because of all the scrums uh, after the whistle. It had everything. It was wildly entertaining. The pace of the game, it was breakneck and it never relented. You know, it was that way from start to finish. I mean, I think they're both coaches are going to try to want to get their teams to slow down at least a little bit in game two and moving forward. But last night, it was a blistering pace. It was trade chances back and forth. It was an incredible playoff game that had absolutely everything you could want. Physical play, big hits, uh, big goals, big plays, some good goaltending, everything. Not, uh, hatred, which was clearly on display from both of those teams last night. And I still think this series is going seven. Here's what I am concerned about, though, for Florida. You know, do they have that mentality for a group that's not had a lot of playoff history to realize that, hey, we played well enough to win last night, but we got to park it and bring that same uh, type of game to the to game two on Tuesday night. Uh, that's going to be the question. But look, for Florida, they did a lot of good things. I thought they had the better of the play, Jimmy, for quite a bit in that game. Uh, I thought they had they got Tampa Bay's defense out of whack. I mean, I've never seen Tampa Bay break down defensively so much in one game as they did last night. But at the end of the day, Jimmy. You can't take bad penalties. You can't take undisciplined penalties against a team like the defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Their power play is lethal, especially with Stamkos and Kucherov back on the ice and on that power play. They proved it again. You can't take bonehead penalties. They did, unfortunately. And you cannot. You absolutely can't. It's the Stanley Cup playoffs. Your attention to details, especially at the critical points of the hockey game, have to be on point. They have to be there. You cannot, under any circumstances, Jimmy, give up a clear-cut breakaway to arguably the best forward on the Tampa Bay Lightning, Braden Point, with a minute to go in the third period of a tie game. You can't do it. Uh, it it's just an absolutely uh, egregious mistake to let Point get behind the defense at that stage of the game. Sure enough, he opens up Bobrovsky, goalie Bob, slides it through the 5-0, game winner, Tampa Bay 5-4. And a tough way to go because Florida got the lead, lost the lead, came back and got the lead again 4-3, only to lose it again 5-4. Unbelievable hockey game. We'll see what kind of resolve the Florida Panthers have uh, as Tampa Bay certainly showed you what they've got in them uh, coming back. One last point too, Sam Bennett having a hearing for his hit on Coleman, bad hit. He charged from way across the other end of the ice to hit him right between the numbers into the glass. I totally agree he should get a hearing, and he might even get a suspension, unfortunately. But where's the hearing for Ryan McDonough? Now, I know it wasn't as bad, all right? It definitely wasn't right. as bad. There's no question it was not as bad as what Bennett did. But the fact there's not even a hearing for McDonough into the boards there on Duclair, 
uh, during that game last night. If I'm a Panthers fan, I'm thinking, you know what? Are we favor- favoring the uh, Stanley Cup champions a little bit here? I'd feel that way if I'm a Panthers fan. I would legitimately be pissed about that. Not Bennett deserves what he's going to get, maybe. But I think to yeah. not even have a hearing for McDonough for what he did with Duclair, I think that's wrong. Uh, Jimmy, what, what do you think about that? I, I mean, I think Bennett deserves a game for sure. I mean, it was clear-cut hitting from behind, intent to injure. You could go more than a game, but it is the playoffs, so that doesn't really happen unless the result is really bad, unfortunately. Like, we've been through that. You should punish the act, not the result. But that's what will happen. I, I see a game for him. And, yeah, McDonough deserves something too. But, look, you know, I don't – of course, Panthers fans are going to say that, and if it went the other way, Lightning fans would say that. But the refs aren't favoring anybody. The NHL doesn't want any certain team to win. Well, I guess they want some teams in really good TV markets to win. But guess what? The Southern Florida market is way better than the Tampa market in terms of TV, so that it would actually benefit the NHL more – if the Panthers advance. Um, but yeah, it, it's just part of the, there's a big, big series here, a lot of intensity, a budding rivalry. We're going to see a lot of that. And I think the refs would, excuse me, try to let as much as they could go to, to let that rivalry come out and, and boil up. But at the same time, they have to put some control on it. So we'll see what happens there. The only thing I'd say, keep an eye on going forward with the Panthers for game two is I don't think Bobrovsky's back between the pipes for game two. I don't blame all those goals on him, but he has not been good. Tampa owns him. He has a tendency to not respond to games. We gave a lot of goals to play that great the next game. And if I'm the Panthers, I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll go to Dreger. But uh, if I'm the Panthers, Spencer Knight's my man. Put him in there. He is the most aloof of what's going on right now. The pressure won't really hurt him right now. He's been in big games at other levels. He's won the gold in the World Juniors. He's played in some huge games for Boston College. Put him in. See what the rookie can do. And I'm telling you, it will give some juice to the Panthers roster and really help the veterans on that team to have a young kid like that back there uh, making stop after stop. So interested to see what they do between the pipes going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be pondered. I think at the very least by Joel Quenville, what he's going to do game two and beyond with the goaltending. Because you're right, Bobrovsky, oh, there's some brilliant passing, brilliant plays, that, and some of those goals nobody was going to stop. And look, the Braden Point goal, was like it's a great player that knows how to finish on a breakaway. I get it. But once in a while, if you're trying to be a goalie that Bobrovsky, at least at one point in his career, was one of the better goalies in the league, you'd like a save every now and then on those breakaways. You would. It's not easy. I get it. It's Braden Point with a breakaway. He knows how to finish those chances. I totally understand that. But at one time or another, Jimmy, you want your goalie at once in a while to make a save there in that spot. I don't care if it's Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. I don't care if it's Connor McDavid. Once in a no. while, if you want to call yourself an elite goalie, I'd like a save or two. Once in a while on a breakaway, you're not going to get them all. Not when it's skill and talent on the other side, that the, the level of a point or whoever. But once in a while, I'd like a save there. And I find in those key critical moments, mano a mano, one-on-one with a top-tier forward, Bobrovsky's kind of been lame in that regard uh, this season and even last year for like those big moment saves. I don't see enough of them from Golden Bob. And that's a concern. And I think it's something that's going to rattle around in Coach Q's head going into game two and beyond that do I go to Drieger? Do I give the rookie, the kid, Spencer Knight, a chance? Interesting decision. You, know, you say Coach Q there, and I'm thinking right as you said that, I I, I went in the Wayback Machine to 2010 when, you know, the Hawks finally uh, broke the curse and won the cup there. Um, if you recall, didn't he switch goalies through that playoff run? 
Didn't he go from someone to Niemi ended up finishing, right? Was it Niemi that finished when they won the cup? I think it was, I yeah. Remember. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And I don't think they started that way. So he's proven in the past that he has no problem switching uh, mid-series or mid-playoffs to another goalie uh, and just riding the hot hand. So we'll see what happens with that. That's a good point by you there. I forgot. Sometimes I forget Coach Q's the coach of the Florida Panthers. It's still weird to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it is. It's just we didn't expect – well, not that we – we expected him to coach again, but we didn't necessarily yeah. expect it to be Florida. But uh, he's a big part of why they, they've had a great season. Like he just, Oh, yeah, he's a Jack you know, Adams candidate. Yeah, we know he's just done a great job in this, uh, in this, uh, in these playoffs past. You know, I'm terrible with remembering things from years. Not some things. Right, let's right call you You're right, Scott Darling. Uh, there's yep. another guy that's been put in there in the playoffs for Chicago uh, in the past. No question. Uh, they've they've changed things up from a goaltending standpoint. Now, obviously, Corey uh, Crawford uh, did most of the heavy lifting for them in, in those Stanley Cup years. But yeah, once in a while he would uh, change it up, uh, and they end up being. Uh, uh, going to a backup goalie just to see if they could shake things up. Before we get to today's card, because Melissa Cunningham, she's been on the show uh, as a guest in the past. I think she'll be joining us for a little bit tomorrow night during the BetCast, which, by the way, great time to remind you, the BetCast, our first ever Ice Guys Stanley Cup playoffs live BetCast Tuesday night, tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's the Islanders and the Penguins game two. It's the Lightning and the Panthers game two. And it's the Golden Knights and the Wild game two tomorrow night. We'll be on the air uh, seventh or at least through the entire early games. I'm planning on staying until, you know, at least a bit through the Minnesota Vegas game when we bring in our wild fanatic friend, Terry Edelman uh, onto the stream uh, tomorrow night. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, it's going to be live betting, watching the game, just kick back, relax, just a nice, cool pub atmosphere. Like we're just throwing back pints at the bar, shooting the shit, talking about the games, watching them, doing some live betting. I'll have my beer mug in hand. Uh, throwing back more than a couple uh, tomorrow night on the show. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. We're bringing on special guests that have been on this show before, viewers and listeners of the show. Uh, anybody that wants uh, an opportunity to be on the show and on the live stream with us Tuesday night uh, during the show, uh, you can have that uh, opportunity. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be uh, like uh, bringing in the Ice Guys family. It'll be a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to it. But what Melissa said in the chat, I want to bring it up. Because I thought I heard it too. Tampa Bay, Florida game. Look, I think he's a good announcer and he's going to be a good announcer. He's got a good announcer's voice. I'm talking about Alex Faust, who is the Los Angeles Kings television announcer uh, locally there with Jim Fox. Uh, they do a pretty good job. Uh, he's going to be a good announcer in time. But he I, he definitely was screwing up the goalies of the two teams last night. Yeah, He was calling Basilevsky Bobrovsky and he was calling Bobrovsky Basilevsky. Last night, and it was the most bizarre thing. Like he got the he, he knew what the, the goalies were obviously, but he was just called. Yeah, he called Bobrovsky Basilevsky uh, in that game last night. So it, it was funny. It's a, it is. It's a rough mistake. It's a bad. It's a bad mistake. I get it. But we're human. We're you know I'm only human, born to make mistakes. We're all human. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, I'm dating myself with '80s music there. But yeah, uh, we're all born to make mistakes. Uh, but you're right. That was, and, and he kept, and that's the thing, Melissa, you're right. He did it more than once. He did it more. You think someone gets in his ear, the producer or someone like, Hey, Alex, you're getting these two goalies mixed up. You're fucking up here over and over again. You keep calling Bobrovsky Basilevsky. Come yeah. on, man. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody was trying to get him fired. And they didn't want to correct him. Who knows? <laughs> that's <laughs> unfortunate. 
I think that's the biggest national TV assignment he's had. I don't think he's done playoff hockey for NBC or NBC Sports Network. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, and to see that happen to him, that's tough. That that uh, reminds I mean, me when I when I was going growing up going to the old Bruins games at the Garden at the old Boston Garden with my grandfather. He had season tickets for Aaron, so he introduced me to the game basically. So anyhow, long story short, when Glenn Wesley became a Bruin, um, you know, a year into the, his tenure, there, my grandfather just did not like his game, did not like Wesley at all. And he, we, you know, back in the old Garden, if you were close enough, you could hear the fans, like you could hear word for word what they were saying, and every game he'd come out. For a shift and my grandfather Wesley get off the up but then my grandfather who grew up going or not grew up but I mean had tickets when the 70s Bruins were playing you know the old Bobby Orr days they had a player named Eddie Westfall and so when my grandfather started to lose it and go a little senile he kept calling Wesley Westfall Westfall get off the goddamn ice get off the goddamn ice so one season came along and he does this and he's doing it the whole game. And this lady behind gorgeous, gorgeous lady behind us. She, she leans over and she goes, excuse me, sir. That's my husband. And his name is Wesley. I don't care if you yell at him, but you got to get his name right. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't care that he was yelling at him. Yeah. She said, get the name right. That's, wife that's right behind us. Well. Yeah. She's like, if you're going to trash on him, at least get his name right. You know? <laughs> Yet she had no problem with him getting yelled at. That's yeah. the hilarious part. Yeah. I don't know if they're still married, but yeah, you got to wonder when you hear yeah. a story like that. Yeah. Uh, all right, great stuff. Uh, let's get into tonight's card now. Boston and Washington. It's game two. It's the first of the three games tonight. We got the Bruins minus one thirty to minus one thirty-five road favorites. Total five and a half. Shade to the under. Look, I'm lock, stock, and barrel on the Bruins already in the series, so I don't want to go nuts betting them in game two, but it obviously makes sense from a spot perspective that it's a, it's a Bruins spot tonight. They've been good in these bounce-back situations. Uh, they've been uh, absolutely uh, outstanding uh, in, in these kind of spots after a poor performance. It wasn't even that poor of a performance. I thought they played a solid road game. They just didn't shoot enough on a goalie coming in cold off the bench for an injured Vitek Vanacek the other night. They didn't put enough pucks at Craig Anderson. Jake DeBrus can deny it. Anybody else watching that game yeah. or a Bruin player can deny it. That's what I saw. And anybody that saw it says, you know, you didn't generate enough when you had the puck in the offensive zone. And when they did get shots on Anderson, Jimmy, there was no second chances. There was no, no rebound opportunities. They didn't get to those loose pucks in front. It was one and done offense that night from the Boston Bruins. And when you look at it from a Washington standpoint, look, a couple of their goals were a little fortuitous, as Jimmy mentioned. One bounces off the ice, off the skate, and then bounces up and over Rask. The second goal, third goal was the Nick Dowd deflection uh, to win it in overtime. Not much you can do there uh, in either situation if you're Tuka Rask. Anderson is back in net. We wondered because we know Vanacek's definitely out for at least tonight, if not longer, probably a little bit longer. Uh, and as for uh, Anderson, we figured he'd be in. Uh, but they would they maybe give Samsonov a look because he's just been removed from the COVID list. So he could be back any day now as well for the Capitals. But I think what Peter Laviolette sees is, you know, we won with Anderson the other night. He's been around the block. We might as well just keep him uh, in net here for game two and not worry about putting a Samsonov in net who hasn't played in forever. Could be a little bit, you know, not on his game, not uh, 100% sharp for you know, not only having the COVID issues, but also having not played in a long time. So it's the logical play uh, going back to Craig Anderson and dare Boston to figure him out because it sure as hell didn't figure him out uh, Saturday night uh, in game one. 
Um, the top line didn't have their best game in game one. I'd expect them to be better. This could be one of those nights where if you like Boston to win, maybe you dabble in a Pasternak, Bergeron, or Marchand props here a little bit. Because let's be honest, the goal scorers the other night were DeBrusque and Nick Ritchie. You know, it was your depth guys, your second, third liners. I think Hall and Krejci could be better as well. Let's be honest, those top six uh, forwards were not overly noticeable uh, Saturday night. They've got to be better. I think they will. I am on Boston here, minus 135, but just small. Look, I'm already in, involved with Boston in the series from a betting standpoint, so I'm not going to be hand over fist pounding Boston here in game two when I already have them in the series, but I am on a small bet for the Bruins here, minus 135. Uh, road favorites. And I like the over here a little bit. I think we get a little more offense tonight. I think the Bruins, they know what they need to do. And I like these games and these competitive series, a lower scoring game one night, like it was in game one, three to two, you get maybe the opposite happening tonight. And I like the price too. We're talking the over five and a half here, Jimmy is plus 120. It is a solid plus price tag with that over. I think we get there with the over here. The Bruins shoot the puck a lot more. I think they get a lot more high-danger quality chances on Anderson. I think the focus is making sure we do a whole lot more with the puck in the offensive zone than we did in game one. On the flip side, look, uh, Washington, they might have Kuznetsov potentially uh, back. He's been taken off the COVID list. Um, they're still a very dangerous offensive team. And I don't even think they played their best offensively in game one either, Washington, despite winning. So I'd expect both teams to make the adjustments more offensively tonight. And certainly that's the focus for Boston. We know we played good enough pretty much in terms of our defensive structure and our defensive game, but we know we've got to get more generated offensively. So for me, it's a Boston and an over five and a half look uh, in this game two tonight. Uh, Jimmy, what's your thoughts here? Bruins Capitals game two. Well, my thoughts are, you know, we're talking about uh, coaches having maybe a quick leash, leash with a goalie. Uh, I, I can tell you right now, talking to people with the Bruins uh, behind the scenes, that they're, they're going to have a quick leash for Tuka Rask in this series, if not during this game. By no means are they putting the uh, game one on him. Um, but, you know, if, if they start to sense that they're getting this series away from them, maybe not just as a reflection of Tuka's play, but more so just to get a spark out of the team, they'll turn to Swayman with no problem. So keep an eye on that as we go forward here. But for this game, yeah, I mean, this is – you yeah, you say every game's do or die in the playoffs. I know, but this is a do or die game. You do not want to go home down 2 nothing. You have a chance to take home advantage back right now. You were in that game the other night. Um, you know, it was just one of those games. It could have gone either way. It didn't go your way. So you got to come out and set the tempo and make it go your way. Uh, today, you have to make your own luck. And I, I think that's the focus for the Bruins. And you brought it up, uh, which I think was really observant by you, is they weren't getting those second chances. They And Anderson was tossing out rebounds left and right. I mean, they were there for the taking. And the Bruins were not they getting get to the middle. Yep. They weren't doing it. So they are going to have to find a way to get through in the middle there and get rebounds and, and maybe strategically, you know, some shot passes down low, stuff like that. Around the, around the crease, uh, just little things like that. They're going to have to figure out a way to create uh, havoc in front of Anderson and make life miserable for him. Because let's face it, guys, this is a guy who didn't play hardly at all this year, all right? But he comes in, he gets that win. So obviously, the, the cold part is gone. He's got some confidence now. And the more he succeeds within this game tonight, the more he stops – the more confidence he's going to get. And more importantly, the more confidence the team is going to get behind him and rally around him because it's a great rallying cry. It's a veteran guys, the oldest goalie in the playoffs right now. 
this could turn into a great story for the Capitals and a real nightmare for the Bruins if they're not careful. So they got to come out really early, and that's why I like them in the first period a lot. You can get some good value still for them. Give me the Bruins in the first period, and then give me the Bruins in regulation uh, to win this game. And I've also got some props for you guys. Brad Marchand had a horrendous game the other day, but we've been assured that he's not injured. Just one of those nights. And, you know, look, the whole perfection line was off as well. Uh, I would I would go with the over. I'm looking at it on Bovada. You can get it over two and a half shots right now at plus. Let me see. What do they have? Uh, actually, it's a minus. It's at minus 114. But another guy, a sleeper on an over for shots that I think could really cash in would be Craig Smith. Because if you think about it on that line, Krejci and Taylor Hall, I think Hall's been more shoot first since he got here. But over the course of time, Krejci and Taylor Hall are actually pass first type people. So Smith is going to be the one to get the shot. And let's face it, if you're looking at that line and you're trying to prioritize which guy you got to focus on, I think Smith Smith's in last place there. I think he gets the least focus. And that's you know, that's not a reflection of his play. He's a great top six winger, but it's just, you know, the the track uh record of the other two guys uh precedes him there. So I like Craig Smith to get over two and a half shots and I'm looking at it at a plus 122. There you go. So Marshawn, Brad Marshawn, and Craig Smith over shots on goal uh, for Jimmy. So a couple of player props there. Um, I, I certainly like uh, a couple of those guys, Posternock and Marshawn Sprinkle on the goal scorer prop as well. I Might be so worth too. a look as well uh, tonight in this game. Um, and definitely uh, you look at it, uh, Boston plus 120 uh, in regulation. Uh, Jimmy liking that as well as the first period. Uh, money line with the uh, Bruins minus 125. So there we go. Uh, like in Boston early, that, the first period makes sense because you'd expect the teams lost the previous game. When yep. do you expect their best to show up early in the game, make a statement early. Uh, and so the Bruins first period might indeed be worth a look there. Expecting a good start from them tonight in this game. Yeah. It looks like, yeah, Samsonov is not the starter. Someone in our chat saying they think it must be Samsonov. No, it's Anderson. Nope. It no, is it's definitely Anderson. Greg Anderson. Uh, yep. It is Anderson. Samsonov's not quite ready. He's still getting up to speed. He just I, cleared. He's even going to back up because they called up for Fukali, didn't they? Yeah, I don't think he's even dressing tonight. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty sure Fukali is the uh, yeah. backup there. Oh, Phoenix Copley. Phoenix, Phoenix Copley, Copley okay. There you go. Phoenix Copley is backing up. This Fukali guy was the Arizona third guy, and then Samsonov's yeah. not even dressing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Same with uh, – uh, Kuznetsov, he's not and, ready and, yet. And, and for Melissa Cunningham, there. Sorry, but Pasta is uh, he's taken longtime girlfriend and a baby on the way. Yes, <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> yeah, Kuznetsov, uh, it was on the ice yesterday. I had a practice, not available for a few more days, so uh, he's not going to play tonight. Kuznetsov, maybe game three, uh, when the scene shifts to Boston, Nashville, and Carolina. Now, next game, game one of this series getting underway. Uh, Carolina, look, there's Nashville money coming in. This was minus 180. It's minus mm. 160 now uh, on Carolina. The total five, five and a half, depending on where you look. And look, I've, I said this when we previewed this series, Nashville and Carolina. If Nashville's going to win a game, it could be game one. Carolina hasn't played meaningful hockey in a while. They had some guys resting in the final couple games of the regular season after they clinched the Central. Nashville riding the high and the momentum of getting into the playoffs, beating Nashville twice down the stretch, although or beating Carolina, I should say, twice down the stretch of the regular season, although those games didn't mean jack uh, to Carolina. Uh, but nevertheless, Nashville with a little bit more, they've been playing that playoff-style hockey for a while now, this Nashville team. So I think people get a sense of that. 
going into this game. It's Alex Nedeljkovic confirmed in net uh, here tonight for the uh, Hurricanes. Not at all a shock. Jimmy talked about it. I've talked about it. He's earned it. He's been great uh, in between the pipes all season long for the Carolina Hurricanes. So to see Alex Nedeljkovic get this first start uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes in game one tonight, it doesn't surprise me in the least. Uh, he's earned it. All I, all I will say about Nashville tonight, as someone that likes Carolina in the series, and I mentioned liking Carolina minus one and a half games. That is the bet I made. Minus one and a half games so that Carolina wins in six games or less. I cash that ticket. I think they can. But if there's one chance for Nashville maybe to steal a game, it's tonight. And if it doesn't happen tonight, it could be a quick series here uh, in favor of Carolina. But there is a, there is a, there is an opening here. Saros has been rested. He played good down the stretch. Nashville, you could see them, you know, already playing these must-win, high-intensity, high-pressure games to get into the playoffs where Carolina's essentially been coasting for a while. So tonight could be a night for Nashville to step up, rise up, and maybe steal a game. Uh, I think it's – and you said it, Jimmy, as well, and I think you're spot on. This is – I'm not betting against Carolina in this series at all. But tonight is not the night that I'm going to be on Carolina either. So that's the way I look at it from a side perspective, because I do fear this is a little bit of an advantageous spot and situation for the Nashville Predators. Now, the question is, can they take advantage of it when I still fear, feel that they're the inferior team here uh, in this series? That's the big question. Uh, we'll see if they can take advantage of it. But uh, you look at their lineup going in uh, to this uh, series overall, Nashville, uh, they're finally got pretty much all hands on deck coming into this series. Uh, they're as healthy as they've been all season. That is definitely a benefit uh, for the uh, Nashville Predators uh, going into this series. Uh, it looks like Jacob Slavin as well, by the way, for Carolina. Game time decision. And you're talking about an unbelievable huge. defenseman, which is absolutely huge if he doesn't play. Rod Brindamore has been saying, I think he's going to play. I'm hoping he's going to play. We expect he's going to be ready. But now we're looking – Maybe we're going to see what he's like taking the pregame warm-up before uh, Jacob Slavin gets confirmed in, uh, and that's a that would be a detrimental loss because you know they have a great deep blue line, but he's on the top pair uh, and one of their best shutdown defensemen. So uh, they could miss him a little bit tonight. At the end of the day, I think this series goes to Carolina because look, Aho Svechnikov, Trocheck, Taravainen, Marty Netchash has had a breakout year. Nita Ryder, they're big. Top forwards, top five, six forwards. I trust them a whole hell of a lot more than I trust Johansson and Arvidsson and Duchesne. Can we find these guys with a telescope half the time No, on the ice? No, we cannot. And that's the issue. These guys are not consistent. They're not always big-time playoff game breakers. Carolina's guys, I think, have shown the ability that they can be that. The one through six Carolina blue line is stronger than Nashville. After Ellis, after Yossi, after Ekholm, there is a drop-off in Nashville's blue line. Um, and I think in goal, as good as Saros has been, Nadelkovic can match him, if not even more. Um, so again, this is a conflict game for me from a side perspective. I'm on Caroline in the series. I think they win this series. I don't know if they win game one tonight, and I'm certainly not laying up price with them, but I'm not taking Nashville either. What I am on in this game is the over. All right, it opened five. This could be a game where, and Nashville did play a little bit more not wide open, but they did score. I could see Carolina, especially if Slavin doesn't go. That hurts the blue line a little bit. They could give up a few more chances, a few more shots, a few more quality. You're only talking about five being the total. 
Carolina offensively is certainly more than capable. Uh, there are a couple fives. I'm seeing it shift to five and a half in a lot of other books. So shop around. If you like the five at minus 135 or minus 140, shop around, see if you can find it. Even if five and a half is all you can get, I would still endorse it. Uh, the over, because you could see all as well with Carolina not playing a meaningful game in quite some time. Mm-hmm. You could see sloppiness with the puck. That is very real that we could see a little bit of that from Carolina. Normally, they're not a turnover machine. Usually, they do not commit turnovers. They force turnovers. They don't normally commit them. But when you've been out of the loop for a while, not playing important, meaningful games for some period of time, you could see some out of sync turnovers and some sloppy defense at times tonight from Carolina. I'll warn Nashville right now. You don't win tonight. You could be going home in four straight. This is a game you got to get tonight. This is your, from a spot perspective, this is probably as vulnerable as Carolina is going to be all series. Let's see if the Predators can take advantage of it. So my only bet pregame is over five uh, in this game. Jimmy, your thoughts on Hurricanes Predators? Yeah, you know, this reeks to me of, of a sneaky upset for the Nashville Predators. I don't think they win the series by any means. Um, but I, if I, you know, I'm going to go with the Predators in the first period here. I see them coming out and maybe catching the Carolina Hurricanes off guard. And then maybe the Hurricanes, as the game goes on, shake off that rush you refer to and get their game together and end up pulling out the win. So give me, it's great value right now. If you do the regulation in the first period, uh, for the national predators, uh, I think it'd be a great one to take right now. And I think, like I said, Carolina will probably come back. Maybe Nashville steals the whole game. Who knows? But I do think they take that first period. There you go. Nashville plus 135 first period for uh, Jimmy Murphy. Uh, thinking they got and, he, and he's on Boston in the first period as well. So a f- couple of first period bets. I'm on well, a first period. You can actually period. get him. You do the three way in. You could get it at plus two forty. Oh, you're looking at the minus a half goal. Yes, in the yes. Sorry, my okay, bad. the actually lead after the first period because yes. plus one thirty five. Yeah, that means if it's tied, you at least get a push. You get your money back. Yeah, no, you're no, looking the other lead way. They the will lead after the first period. That's my prediction. Oh, right. Well, we'll give you that. All right. Official bet. Nashville minus a half goal plus yep. 240 first period. So there we go. Nashville to lead after the uh, first period uh, of this game. And you're right. I think this is if Na- Nashville's got some situational advantages. There is no question about that going into this game. The question is, are they good enough? And will Carolina be poor, poor, poor enough for a team that doesn't play a lot of poor hockey very often? Carolina can they be good enough? Can Carolina be uh, shaky enough for Nashville to take advantage of it? All right, final game, St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we've got the uh, uh, Colorado Avalanche now. We're looking at them currently in this game as a minus almost 300 now, minus 290 to minus 300 favorite here in game one. Total five and a half shaded to the under. And look, the St. Louis Blues already had an uphill battle. They do have guys that were there on this team winning the cup a couple years ago. That's going to help. But they already had an uphill battle, Jimmy. And now you look at this injury report. It's ugly. It's very, very scary for St. Louis. But you're already without Gunnarsson on the blue line the entire rest of the season. And he's one of your better shutdown defensemen. Mm-hmm. Their defense has not been the same since then. And now you got to deal with Colton Pareko injured yet again. Uh, for the uh, St. Louis Blues. He didn't play last week. He's dealt with an upper body injury uh, down the stretch. He had a back injury earlier this year. Uh, Bruby saying he's probably a game-time decision tonight. Vince Dunn is out on that blue line. I mean, that is three regular defensemen 
that you're going to be possibly shorthanded with uh, this uh, game one tonight for the Blues. David Perron in COVID protocol now for the uh, Blues, one of their better uh, you know, forwards in the top six. Uh, he's out. You need all hands on deck you know, to have a shot in this series if you're St. Louis to give yourself the best chance to take down this Colorado team. And now to see that tonight there's going to be no – uh, potentially no Pareko. There will be no Vince Dunn. There will be no David Perron. And all of a sudden, you know, it it just got a lot harder uh, for the St. Louis Blues. And if I'm the Colorado Avalanche, here's my thinking in this game. It's going to be difficult to find value on the full game tonight. Money line's almost minus 300. Hell, the puck line, Jimmy Puck line in this game, minus one and a half on Colorado is minus 120. You know, it's not even a great price. So you got to get creative if you like Colorado. I like their team total over three and a half tonight. I'm on that Colorado team total over three and a half in this game. I, I think that's a bet worth looking at. I think they come out flying. And when I look at the trajectory of this Colorado team, you learn how to uh, crawl before you learn how to walk. You learn how to lose before you learn how to win. Colorado two years ago, knocked out by San Jose uh, in the second round last year. They looked like they were ready to roll in the playoffs. They rolled through Arizona. They were ready to beat Dallas, I think, until they were besieged completely by injuries, including, of course, to their top two goalies, uh, Philip Grubauer and Pavel Francouz. They both got injured uh, in that series against Dallas, and then they were down to Michael Hutchinson, and that was it. That was all she wrote at that point in time. Otherwise, they were probably going to beat the Stars in that series, and who knows? You know, then all of a sudden they're in the West final and then maybe they win that and they're in the Stanley cup final, but the goalie injuries just crippled Colorado. And they had a bunch of other guys out too, forwards and defense. And that ended up basically getting in the way of their playoff run last year, this year. Now this collective group, Burakovsky, Kadri, Ranton and Landeskog, McKinnon, uh, you know, McCarr on the blue line third year now uh, for the, for this group together. I think Jimmy, if I'm Colorado, I'm coming out flying tonight. I'm making a statement quickly. I'm not giving St. Louis a chance to get belief and put doubt in our minds in this series. I'm coming out strong in front of that Denver crowd tonight, and I'm putting St. Louis on notice right away. This is a banged-up team. This is an older team Yep, agreed. that you're in trouble, and we got to come out and be ready to go, chomping at the bit, playoff disappointments the last two years, although last year it was injury-related, ready to show that they are legit cup contenders. I like the team total over. I like the full game over. My favorite is that Colorado first period, minus a half, plus 120 to take the lead after the first period. Jump on it. Jump on this St. Louis team that is banged up beyond belief. Uh, Work them over with your skill, with your ability, with your puck movement. St. Louis can't defend speed this year like they have in years past. They cannot defend against quick puck movement that gets the puck moving cross seam, wing to wing, across the ice before the defense gets set up. And look, Jordan Bennington was average this year. This was not a great season for Jordan Bennington. And Colorado, uh, I think, had some success against him uh, throughout the course of the season. I'm not necessarily trusting him with a banged-up blue line in, in front of him going into this game tonight, potentially, especially if... Now, it's not confirmed, but there is at least a chance Colton Pareko is not playing tonight for St. Louis, and that is a gigantic, gigantic impact loss if he doesn't play tonight for the St. Louis Blues. So I'm on a couple of things here. Probably the smallest bet is the over 5.5. I got a little more on the team total for Colorado. 
uh, in this game, uh, which is uh, three and a half minus 115. And I like the, the best one of all to me is that first period puck line. Colorado minus a half goal plus 120. Uh, Jimmy, what do you think here? Blues, Avalanche. I'm with you. I'm going to do the, uh, the minus a half goal in the first period for sure. I like the team total over as well for Colorado. Uh, and that'll be it for me. And I, I'm with you. I think you, everything you said there makes a lot of sense. I do think they come out and set the tone early. And I want to see every goal that Colorado scores. I want them to go over to the St. St. Louis bench and talk shit to Ryan O'Reilly, who said that they will beat the Colorado Avalanche. Thinks he's Mark. Yeah, bulletin board material too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What do you, dude, you're an idiot. Like if the series was tied or they were down three, two, whatever, you don't, you don't, you don't start talking that trash in game one. It's just, it just like you need to give Colorado any more reason to win here other than what, what they are as a team and how much far superior they are than you. And now you say that just, just a dumb, dumb move by Ryan O'Reilly. And yeah, I know we won a con Smythe and a Stanley Cup credit to him, but you know, obviously things didn't go well for him there in Colorado. And he's a hell of a player. He's had a great finish to the season, Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. There's no denying that. He has been outstanding down the stretch for St. Louis. He's going to need to be just as terrific in this series to keep St. Louis afloat. But I think just tonight, situationally, if Pareko doesn't go, the shorthanded blue line, I think Colorado, again, I think there's something to it, with, especially now that O'Reilly uh, basically said we're going to beat them. I mean, obviously, word of that has gotten back to Colorado, and they you heard think? it. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I'm sure the report, the media will always remind them of it. I'm sure uh, in the <laughs> quote leading up to this game. So yeah, there's, de it's definitely, I think Colorado, they're going to want to make a quick statement early in this game. And look, St. Louis has the depletion on the blue line for potentially Colorado to get off to a fast start. I mean, if you see this Colorado team, what's impressive about them is they usually have the puck more than their opponent. They usually are almost always out shooting their opponent and getting more quality chances than their opponent. The majority of their games this season and their defense is very aggressive at the blue line. They'll pinch in to keep plays alive, but they can all do that. Jimmy mm -hmm. with McCarr and Gerard and Graves and uh, wait till they get Byron back, uh, you know, and all these smooth skating defensemen and Timmons, look at what he did down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable, but they can take those chances and risks pinching at the blue line of the opponent, Jimmy, because they all skate like the wind. They can all get back quickly in transition mm -hmm. if they threaten with an odd man rush the other way. And it's just a, such a gift as a collective blue line to have guys that can get back in proper defensive posture and proper defensive position when they pinch because they just skate so well. And yeah. yeah, it looks like he got an opening. Oh no, you for an odd man rush or a two on one when they pinch in and they get caught. Oh no, they don't. And they're getting back, and there you go, play broken up. I've seen that so much with Colorado's blue line this year. Uh, so that is why they can be a little bit more aggressive with their blue liners keeping pucks alive uh, in the offensive zone. So again, I think this is a statement for Colorado to come out strong, and you'll see that here. And what's scary about Colorado too is look down the stretch. Burakovsky, Donskoy, Kadri, Tyson Jost, the depth forwards for the Colorado Avalanche, Comfer, they got their offensive games going again. They had that little stretch where they weren't getting as much offense from the bottom six forwards and even from the second line. Well, they fixed that uh, down the stretch, and they started getting those lines going again. So that is good news if you're Colorado going into the playoffs. A great analysis, Jimmy. Uh, that is the Monday card. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining us. We'll get to best bets in just a second. Before we do, reminder, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. 
Uh, it is a great time of year. NHL and NBA playoffs daily, MLB as well. Uh, download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. Sign up for an account. When you do, you'll get deposit bonuses, weekly specials, and incentives. Download that DraftKings app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. Uh, all right, it is time for best bets. Before we get to them, a reminder, BetCast tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. We're looking forward to it. If you want a spot on the live stream with us, with me, with Jimmy, with hopefully Alex, we're Alex is not with us today, so we give him one more day to get his ass in gear and be feeling good again tomorrow night for uh, not only our regular show, but the live show as well. Uh, and, of course, we'll have a bunch of people on the live stream. Uh, but if you want your spot, send me a DM or the Ice Guys Twitter DM at the underscore Ice Guys, and we will get you on the live stream at some point tomorrow night. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm so excited for it. Can't wait. I can't wait for best bets either right now. Jimmy, what do you got for us? Best bet for Monday. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with that Colorado minus a half a goal in the first period. See them coming out, setting the tone early, not letting any thought of an upset get in the heads of the Blues. Just let them know we are the better team. All right, Colorado minus a half goal, plus 120. Uh, first period here for uh, Jimmy Murphy uh, with his uh, best bet. I'm going to go with Boston. Just keep it simple. I like the over quite a bit, actually, in that Bruin game. I thought about the over as well, but yeah, I'm going to go Boston here. Uh, minus 135 in this game, full game. Uh, but that first period that Jimmy mentioned makes sense to me because you would think the start is where you're going to see uh, Boston really uh, shine and play their best, knowing they lost game one. Usually you get, that, especially a good team that's had a good off a loss track record, usually that first period of a game, the next game after a loss is where you get their best. So the first period makes sense, but I'll go full game with Boston. Minus 135 against Washington. Uh, that'll be my best bet for this Monday card. Of course, we cashed the Tampa, Florida over uh, for my best bet uh, last night in that great Lightning Panthers game. We'll see if we can deliver another best bet winner tonight. That'll wrap up this edition uh, of the Ice Guys. Thanks to everyone in the chat for tuning in. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live on YouTube seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday at noon Eastern. And if you can't watch the show live, uh, make sure you download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart. You can find the Ice Guys podcast on all those outlets. For Jimmy Murphy, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Tuesday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.